Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, the true stories, and the current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck naked in the summer. Welcome to episode 15 of the Brown County Hour. This is Janice Pierce, and we are pleased to bring you our new show. We've got a great lineup that we hope you will enjoy. And we have some new cast members that we are delighted to introduce. So without further ado, let me present one of our new writers, Dave Seastrom. Thank you, Janice. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to the show. Our first segment has lots of good things we've been working on. We have a story from Dave Seastrom. We have a great interview and some music with Brown County and Sarah Flint, and a timely product offer for the romantically inclined. So sit back, put your feet up as we present the Brown County Hour. Geography defines Brown County. Hills and valleys abound and provide a sharp contrast with the rest of the state. Many a flatlander has smiled as they admired the natural beauty of the area for the first time. We owe everything to erosion. Once a high plateau, now known as the Norman Upland, this area somehow escaped three mighty glaciers, most recently the Wisconsin Glacier event 20,000 years ago. When this giant wall of ice stopped just short of our area and began to melt, it was the beginning of the landscape we now know as Brown County. Thousands of years came and went. The forest developed, and by and by the first humans made their way here. Without a major river or productive soil in which to plant, the first arrivals didn't choose to settle here in large numbers. Instead, they used the area primarily as hunting grounds, or they followed the many ridge trails on their way to somewhere else. Eventually, times and politics conspired to force the first arrivals to move on. And as one door closes, another one opens, and the first white settlers found their way to this neck of the old Northwest Territory. The forest was virgin, the trees were huge, the terrain was rough, and the soil was poor, but in spite of all that, many a settler decided to make this hill country their home. It was never an easy life, and you had to work hard just to survive. If you couldn't make it, hunt it, grow it, or trade for it with someone else who did, you didn't have it. Little ridgetop farms sprang up, and valleys were cleared so that folks could scratch out a living. As sure as erosion played a central role in the geography, isolation was the driving force that birthed the culture. With little outside contact, the people who made Brown County their home continued living a pioneer existence well into the early 20th century. In the way of things, the first outsiders that discovered Brown County and shared her beauty with the world were artists. Bringing sophistication and the big world with them A door was opened that brought changes no one at the time could foresee. Since those times, we have taken our place in the 21st century. The REMC brought electrification, which finally became universal in the 50s. Telephone lines connected the county, 
Roads were graveled and many of them were paved. Water has always been an issue here and the creation of the Brown County Water Utility has allowed homes and neighborhoods to grow up in areas that could never have developed without it. So here we are, adapting to all the changes the world brings to us, some of which we like and others we just don't give a hoot about. For all the changes this county has seen, more has stayed the same than not. It's still a pretty place to look at, a hard place to make a living, and a mighty fine place to live if you're bent that way. The people retain that pioneer spirit, and we hold strong to an independent streak that defines us. We know we have a special life, and we do what we can to keep it that way. Today, we're a mix of native folks, expatriated city people, artists, musicians, craft people, and hippies. It's a good mix that makes for many a fine conversation when we see one another at the feed store or the grocery. This magic combination of land and culture has also produced some great stories, and it's a tremendous privilege to share them with you. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. Hello, this is Rick Fettig with the Brown County Hour and WFHB, and I'm here with Sarah Flint. We're at her little abode out in the woods, um, and it is in Brown County, so she's a native. Uh, hi. Hello. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, when we talked about doing this, I remembered the um, first time we met, if I remember correctly, was at the Belmont Mall. That was just about a quarter mile from here. Yeah, and uh, that was like 85 or something. Uh, but you knew uh, John Mellencamp's first wife. Priscilla. And she uh, asked if you could come in and set in on a session. And not only did that happen, but you got to sing too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how was that? Tell us about that. And Well, it was quick. <laughs> <laughs> it was super quick, but very fun. Yeah. And just always enjoy having that triple platinum album. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I saw you not too long ago at um, the fig tree. And I looked at you twice because your features were familiar, but I couldn't place who you were because your hair was just real short and curly. And uh, then you got a little story about that, I think. Well, yeah, um, I had uh, had shaved it off since uh, I was going through chemotherapy for breast cancer. And uh, so far, so good. I never did know that it was happening. So the mammogram is a good thing Oh yeah. to make sure you get your mammogram. Yep, better safe than sorry, that's for sure. Once that stuff progresses, it's... Yeah, and luckily... Um, caught it in time. Yeah. Good. Good. So I had a pretty easy time. I know a lot of people, uh, it's not quite so easy to go through all that. Yeah, just having a shaved head would be... <laughs> well, that, that was the fun part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, let's get on with the music here. Um you have one group I know called the uh, Sarah Swing Set. Yes, with Robert Stride on vibraphone. Yeah, I love those. I've heard you a couple times. Um, tell us, you want to tell us about your other? You got two other. Yeah, well, besides Sarah Swing Set, where we play at the pub once a month, um, the first Wednesday of every month, so we'll be there February sixth and March sixth, and um, then I also have a four-part vocal harmony group 
called The Girls. And if you listen to WFHP very much, you may have heard us on The Follies. We're a regular feature of the live radio broadcast of The Follies that WFHP does four times a year. And the next one is going to be March 3rd. So tune in at 4 o'clock, or you can come and be in the audience and see the Foley do the sound effects and see everybody cueing each other. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. It's a great experience. Yeah. Other than singing, um, you play some instruments. Yeah. Because I know you actually teach guitar lessons. I do. I've been teaching guitar for um, almost 20 years. Oh, my goodness. Now, and um, with... A lot of help from um, Dave Boss from Roadworthy, mm-hmm. who uh, gave me a place to teach. Yeah. And I have my own studio on the square now, and I teach voice and guitar. I have a bass student at the moment. Oh, wow. And um, several ukulele students. And a flute. <laughs> Don't you play the flute? I play we, the flute a little bit. We played together one time, I think, doing that. So. Yep. There's one other group. That oh, I'm working with right oh, now, yeah, yeah, and that's my husband, Tim Tryon, and okay. he's a Brown County native. In fact, he's been doing his genealogy and has found about five generations on both sides of his family, Brown County, close by. And uh-huh. so I know that they came in the in the 1830s. Do you have any like hopes and dreams or future endeavors that you want to take on? Well, I'm I'm as a side note to the music, I'm I'm very interested in um yoga and meditation and mm. so hopes and dreams <laughs> pops into my head as uh you know, maybe someday we'll have an enlightened society. Hey, yeah, that wouldn't hurt a thing. <laughs> if everybody works a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. <laughs> oh, I'm just so glad that Brown County is represented in the WFHB Universe. I should mention that we're working on a date with the Brown County Playhouse for Sarah's Swing Set, and so watch for that. Okay. Well, good. Well, we'll be looking for you around, and uh, you've got CDs for sale around town or someplace. Yeah. One is a good all year long, and one of them is a holiday record. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you have a uh, contact, like a website? or SarahSwingSet.com. Okay, well, it's been nice talking to you, and uh, maybe we can get you down at the station one of these days. All right? That'd be fun. And here is Too Good by Sarah Swingset. You're just too good to be true. Am I good enough for you? I can't believe that these arms get to hold you Cause you're just too good to be true You're just too beautiful to be real If only I knew how you feel behind the eyes and those lips no man could say no to. You're just too beautiful to be real. Now I realize all those other guys who have eyes for you, you have eyes for them too. They're too tempting to you. And my 
eyes can see that you'll never be content But just be that's why I'm leaving you Someday you'd find somebody new That's why I'm leaving you Cause you're just too good to be true Just who do good me. to be true? Is he talking about me now? Oh no. Am I good enough? Enough for what? For you. Good enough for me. I guess that's all. I can't believe, can't believe that these arms get to hurt you. I can't believe. Cause you're just am I too good? Too good to be true. Just too good to be true. You're just too beautiful to be real. If only I knew how you feel And those eyes and those lips No man could say no to You're just too beautiful to be real Just too good to be true Now I'm thinking maybe I should I realize all those other guys who have eyes For you You have eyes for them too They're too tempting to you can see that they'll never be content But just be That's why I'm leaving you Someday you'd find somebody new That's why I'm leaving you Cause you're just Too good Oh, you're much Too good Yes, you're just Too good To be true Hello, my name is Rick Fettig. Some of you, I hope, are getting to know my voice from the Brown County Hour. Others of you know me from my work. I do mostly maintenance, light construction, and some remodeling around Bloomington and Brown County. On many of those hot, humid Indiana summer days, my clothes are often sopping wet with perspiration. You could probably wring them out and fill up a six or eight ounce glass. In winter, when the temperature dips down, it's time to put on those long johns. Once they're on, they don't come off often until the temperature rises or I get a chance to throw them in the laundry once a week. To get to the point, I've developed my own special fragrance. I found some backers and a couple of chemists, and we now have bottled that fragrance. And in honor of Brown County, we're calling it BC Number 6. It's now available to you if you call in now. Call BR549 right now. Operators are on duty. 
Women, if your man never does any physical labor, and at the end of the day, he comes home still smelling like a Christmas tree on a rearview mirror, hit him with a mist of this BC number six, or put a dose on his sleepwear, it's guaranteed to kick up the pheromones a notch. Men, if you know you haven't broke a sweat in months, and you'd like to add a little spice in your evenings at home with the one you love, a little dose of BC number six is guaranteed to boost her serotonin and dopamine. And she'll associate that pleasure and euphoria with you. It's a win-win. Operators are on duty. Call in now and save 25%. Call BR549. And due to our recent current military involvements where couples and families have had to be separated for long periods of time, we have also developed BC number 9. If you call in now, we'll throw a sample bottle of BC number 9 with your order of BC number 6. Call BR549. BC number 9 is thicker and creamier than BC number 6. Just a little dab on the end of your finger and apply as desired as you recall that special seaman you've been missing or that airman, Marine Corps, or Army personnel who have been deployed for some time. Operators on duty, call in right now, BR549, and order your bottle of BC number 6 and your free sample of BC number 9 and save 25%. Call now, operators are on duty, BR549. Stay tuned for more Brown County Hour after our station identification. Welcome back to the Brown County Hour. Whoa, that BC number six, love potion number nine, sounds kind of interesting. I may have to get some of that. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of powerful. So what do we have lined up for our next segment, Janice? We have a poem from John Kay, a wonderful story from Hank Swain, Jeff Tryon sharing a character from Brown County's past, and Jim Krause tells us about his new project, The Spirit of Brown County, and we have more great music from Sarah Flint. Great. Let's get on with it. Hello, I'm John Kay, and I grew up in the hills of southern Brown County, just past Stonehead and up Christiansburg Road a little piece. I now work at Indiana University, where I direct a program called Traditional Arts Indiana. And here's some Hoosier poetry for you. Here's a little poem by Hoosier poet Benjamin S. Parker, who was born February 10th, 1833 here in Indiana. He's best known for his work about the pioneer experience in Indiana and the Hoosier landscape. This poem seems especially appropriate as the sap begins to rise once again and folks start thinking about heading out to the sugar bush. A sugar-making rhyme. 
Oh, the singing of the sweetness and the sweetness of the song at the merry sugar-making when the days are growing long. As the boiling syrup bubbles into pimples golden brown and the sugar-birds are warbling where the sap is dripping down. Where through pawpaw spiles or elder weep the trees their sugar out for the march is marching onward and the frogs begin to shout. Every drop provokes a dimple round each dimple circles play. Thus the sap we laugh and rimple falls to music all the day. On the elm the robin singeth, on the oak top cause the crow. From tree stump to fence stake wingeth mating bluebirds chanting low. But a merrier music ripples round the campfire's ruddy glow, where the boys and girls are pullin' maple wax as long ago. That was a poem by Benjamin S. Parker, an Indiana author, and it's available for free through the Internet Archive. I'm John Kay, and remember, the arts are for everyone, every day. This is called Pond Ice. The long extended cold we had during late January and much of February in 2007 reminded me of a tale my neighbor Tyson Milo told me about the winter of 1934. It must have been similar to the one we have just experienced. Ty's farm was a ridgetop and bottomland with woodland on the slopes separating them. Ty lived in a simple cabin on the ridge where he had a pasture for his animals and a barn for his pigs and chickens and all the manure from these sloped down into a ravine that led to the bottom fields. Well, Ty had put a dam at the base of the draw many years before so he could irrigate his crops during dry times. He claimed to have had two green thumbs, and I never doubted it because he had become a legend for his consistently good produce, all organically grown, and although that term was not even conceived at the time. His truck farm supplied the three local groceries with produce during the summer season. Altai's story of that winter's weather seems almost a replica of our recent winter. Warm and wet through January, and well below temperatures late. The remarkable part of Ty's story had to do with the ice that formed on his pond. Normally, ice freezes from the water surface down. In 1934, Ty was astonished to discover that his pond had frozen about a foot thick, but it had also risen so that it looked like a glacier about ready to go over the dam. Ty said that while he was puzzling at this strange phenomenon, he felt the earth tremble and throwing him off balance. Well, I do remember as a boy an earthquake that struck Indiana in 1934, Well, as Ty was about to get up, he heard a loud cracking sound, 
and was terrified as he watched the slab of ice slide over the top of the dam like it had been greased, ending in a giant ice cube spread out over his best piece of bottom ground. Ty said he thought something underground prior to the earthquake had something to do with the uplifting of the ice. Ty recalled that Mother Nature, whimsical as she is sometimes, brought on the warmest spring ever recorded. March was like May, and Ty had the best truck garden that summer in all his years of farming. He speculated that all of the best nutrients from his ridge farm had collected in the ice and was deposited in his bottom field when it melted. He said he had cantaloupes the size of basketballs. The watermelons reminded him of some of his fattest pigs. His sweet corn got so large the ears broke off the stalks from their sheer weight and he picked them off the ground each morning. He sold them by the pound because a dozen ears would feed a whole church supper. Their diameter and weight prevented eating the ears as corn on the cob, so the kernels were sliced off, buttered, and eaten as a side dish. The pole bean vines he planted at the edge of the field next to the woods jumped to the overhanging tree branches. He hired local teenagers to help harvest from the top of the ladders. One turnip filled a bushel basket. Sweet potatoes grew out of the ground, and from a distance they were mistaken for watermelons. Tomatoes suffered the same problem as with the sweet corn. It was difficult to keep the rows between the plants cleared. Bruised ones were left on the ground. Ty said he wore boots to wade through the tomato juice left by stepping upon the spoiled tomatoes. After a spring shower, he said the fish had great feast eating the tomato seeds that came off of the runoff. I always liked Ty, my good neighbor, but I felt sometimes he was wont to exaggerate a bit. Earthquake-prone Californians wait the apprehensive apprehension of the big one. Now, Ty remembers the 1930 earthquake as the big one. Now, if our March temperatures this year replicate the March of 34, I'm going to watch very carefully the frozen ice on the three ponds we have on our property. Hi, I'm Tramp Star. You probably don't know much about me, except if you know about a fella named Carl Wilson, a goat farmer, boxer, and all-around swell guy. Good friend of mine. Well, back in the day, old Carl Wilson used to write up some stuff about the country life such as we used to live here in Brown County, and he'd send it in along with one of my poems up to the Indianapolis Star newspaper, and it would run in the Sunday edition right beside a Frank Hohenberger's Sunday column, Down in the Hills of Brown. I reckon Carl got paid some little something on the whole deal, but I never did see one penny of that money. Carl would publish my stuff under the title Jokes and Jingles from Curly Shingles by Tramp Star. Curly Shingles was the name that he had given his little old cabin. The shingles had all kind of curled up on him. Tramp Star is, well, that's me. How it happened. 
My grandpappy said he was splitting wood. Marry a girl whose digestion is good. And I'd saw Emmy in their onion bed, crunching them down without butter or bread. And I knowed her digestion was the best, for onions at 8 a.m. is a test. So it happened that way. Marry a doing girl, grandpappy said, swinging his double bit axe overhead. And I had saw Emmy many a day, shock her paws wheat and help out in the hay. And I knowed she was a doer all right, working from morning till late at night. So it happened that way. Marry a girl with a pity in heart, said Grandpappy, busting a chunk apart. And I'd saw Emmy tears flowing free, putting a hurt robin back in a tree. And I knowed her heart was tender and kind as any girl's heart I would ever find. So it happened that way. Marry a laughing girl, Grandpappy said. Good humor's everything after you're wed. And I'd heard Emmy clear as a bird, laughing the sweetest laugh I ever heard. And I said to myself, a laugh like that. I could spend me a lifetime listening at. So it happened that way. My grandpappy said with a solemn nod, You marry a girl that believes in God. And I'd saw Emmy bow down in prayer with a face as sweet as angels wear. And I know that her heart was clean and pure. And her love once give would be strong and sure. So it happened that way. I'm Jim Krause, writer-producer of Spirit of Brown County. It's a documentary I recently made for WTIU, focusing on the history, art, beauty, and culture of Brown County. It was tough keeping it just down to an hour. Brown County is so rich in substance and character, uh, one could do a whole series, an entire documentary series solely on the art or the music or some of the characters. I owe a lot of thanks to a lot of people who gave me guidance and helped out behind and in front of the camera. I captured interviews with some really amazing folks. Some of the people include author Rachel Perry, folklorist and scholar John Kay, Andrea D. Ternowski, she's the T.C. Steel State Historic Site Property Manager, uh, Bruce Taggart, a gifted luthier, uh, one of my favorite interviews. I think it was because of all the fiddles and mandolins he had hanging up there. Uh, there are too many to list, but all in all, I interviewed about 20 people for the doc. And there were a few WFHB folks who helped out. Uh, Jim Mannion helped me connect with the White Lightning Boys and helped shoot some really cool footage out at Uncle Otis's Jam Session and at the John Hartford Music Festival up in Bean Blossom and Dark Into the Street Gus. He was really helpful. The music playing in the background was composed and performed by Kara Barnard, one of the most amazing musicians I have ever met in my life. Uh, Kara kindly allowed me to use her music in the documentary. Uh, the process. I wanted to make sure this program was for and like by the people of Brown County, so before I ever took a camera out, I went and I met with folks, and I asked them what they thought was important about Brown County. And this guided me in writing an outline, which wove through some of the history, through the growth as a tourist destination, how the artist colony got started, and the culture. I mean, what happens when you inject more than a million tourists into a small town? I found these things really interesting to explore. Uh, I got to ride a train. I got to ride in a plane. And I went out on patrol with the sheriff's deputy. 
Uh, I ran into unexpected gold mines, like when I was out at the John Hartford Memorial Festival in Bean Blossom, someone introduced me to Tom Adler, the bluegrass historian and author of one of the most defining books on the region's music and festivals. So the surprise interviews were a real treat. The program will be premiering on Sunday, March 3rd at 8 p.m. on WTIU. It'll air a number of times during the month of March and will be available for streaming on their website. For more information, you can go to WTIU's website. And thanks so much for having me on the show. I'll be seeing you all out in Brown County sometime soon, I hope. sure like that mood music. It was entitled Anything is Possible, so I guess the point is not to give up hope since you never know.
Operators on duty, call in right now, BR549, and order your bottle of BC number 6 and your free sample of BC number 9 and save 25%. Call now, operators are on duty, BR549. Stay tuned for more Brown County Hour right after this station ID. Welcome back to the Brown County Hour. Dang, Janice. Is that you? You might want to be careful with that stuff. Well, I just wanted to try it out. I'm glad you noticed. Noticed? I'm just trying to control myself. In our next segment, we hope you will enjoy a nature piece from our own Jim Eagleman, an interview with Doris Embry, more music from Sarah Flint, and some commentary from Rick Fettig. Hello, and welcome to what we will call our inaugural program for Nature News. This is Jim Eagleman. I'm the park naturalist at Brown County State Park and a 38-year veteran employee of the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. So it's winter time now. I'm taping this on February 4. We've just had another light dusting of snow over the night, and winter once again uh, gripped the icy land of Brown County and kind of slowed things down for a while. You may be out enough and drive through the the winter crusty snow or slip on the ice enough to know that this is a tough time for people. For the wildlife component living near us and around us, it's equally as challenging for them too. When you consider low temperatures at night and lack of food, perhaps for uh, browsing animals like deer and, and rabbits, when you consider how it is that they survive, it's always habitat. It always has to do with how an animal can live fairly well through colder nights and colder temperatures. And if the habitat structure is arranged properly, if it's going to find enough food, water, and cover within its range, a winter animal in Brown County in southern Indiana can do fine. But if it's exposed to freezing rains and blowing snows and plummeting temperatures, of course, exposure will most likely cause distress. So what constitutes good good habitat? Well, uh, now is the time to look out into your yard, onto your property, and see what we call unused portions. Look at your yard, your property, and think of some place where instead of mowing right up to the fence or right up to the tree line, uh, you could come back a little bit and create a brushy border. And that might be the good place to dump all your clippings and weeds from the garden and create over time perhaps a good mulch pile for use around the home or it could simply just be a pile where animals can seek safety. These security places and these nesting areas and these places from predators offer 
to birds and animals a great escape and they can seek safety inside these brush piles and you'll watch birds fly out through the winter time you'll see tracks going in and out and they really do serve a, a wonderful purpose to give animals um, refuge from storms from high winds from low temperatures and as long as they're in out of the cold and they have adequate food then the nutritional value will create uh, a good health with the bird or animal and they can ward off any kinds of chills or uh, weakness that, that normally would take its toll with let's say less fit animals. Uh, you may know that birds fluff up their feathers against the cold. Imagine uh, on our skin wherever we get goosebumps if you're chilled you see a, a bumpy effect on the skin. Well if, if you had feathers every place a bump would occur on your skin that would cause the feathers to become erect and become more uh, likely to fluff up and ward off the chill. Of course, healthy fur is the same thing. As long as they have good nutrition, that fur coat will um, create insulation against the bare skin and they'll fare fine. Uh, we know that deer have hollow hair follicles and as hormonal changes occur in fall and through the early part of winter, those hair follicles actually thicken in diameter. So that, again, acts as a nice insulator for the, the, the deer that we see de laying down in the woods and you think, oh my gosh, how can they, how can they survive such cold temperatures? Well, they have a, a bigger and a thicker coat of hair with hollow hair follicles now in the wintertime. So giving birds and animals plenty of uh, choices to seek safety, get out of cold, get out of the wind, Feeding birds, of course, is a fun thing that we do at the nature centers on our state parks, and we can do that at our homes and farms and things around the area. So every time we put out bird seed, you're supplementing what birds would normally find on their own. We always say uh, once you start, you should probably have an obligation to continue. Uh, but birds are resilient. They won't wait around the feeder for you to stock it every day. If it is empty from time to time, they go elsewhere and seek out natural food sources. But it certainly can help birds to have supplemental feed placed at our feeders throughout the winter. But probably just as important, perhaps even more important, would be the brush pile that you could create in your backyard. So a little bit of uh, winter wildlife for the listeners. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be um, doing some more nature news on WFHB Brown County Hour. Uh, this is Jim Eagleman. Uh, my office is at the Nature Center. My email is jeagleman at dnr.in.gov. The Nature Center number is 988-5240. Drop me an email or give me a call. Love to hear from the listeners in the WFHB Brown County listening area. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. This is Vera Grubbs with the Brown County Hour for WFHB. Doris Embry has been a longtime presence in our county. And we would like to have Doris tell us about her artist life in Brown County. My artist life in Brown County goes back to probably early 60s, but I didn't move here until 1969. I went to Heron in Indianapolis for three years at night. I've always been interested in portraits. I do ink portraits mostly. Uh, then I do watercolor, landscapes, florals, buildings, and things like that. But at Heron, it was at a time that I went there that was pretty modern approach to art, and I was considered myself more traditional. So uh, moving here was very inspirational thing to me. 
and I, uh, I try to do some piece of art every day, even if I just cut a mat or a double mat in most cases, but that kind of keeps my hand in. And in between doing art, I've worked at, at many jobs, so I could pursue the art. And then for a time, I was a director at the Guild for about three and a half years when they rebuilt after Marie Goff died. And uh, so that was a very interesting time. Around uh, 65 or 66, I started coming every weekend for one day. And sometimes after work on Wednesday, I would come for an hour. And I met uh, Neil and Lil Dunnigan and, and Fred Wrigley. And I, in fact, I worked for the Wrigleys for a while in the store on Saturday or Sunday. And that was just a real help to me. And, um, and the Dunnigans had a studio at the time in the Village Green building. And Neil was driving to Indianapolis every single day. And, of course, then maintained the, painted every weekend. And so I went on painting trips with them. And, and it was just a wonderful learning time. It seemed like there was always something going on in, in art that, uh, that you didn't have any trouble. And I think it's still much that way today because it seems like we almost have an explosion of people so gifted, so many. I mean, there's so many avenues to go and, uh, and learn that I don't see how you can not learn if your eyes are open at all. And it just is uh, it's inspiring. We also had sort of a real loose gathering of people at the guild on one night a week and we would hire a model and uh, we also went to uh, IU for a length of time a bunch of us went over there and everybody would pay a dollar and and that would help the student model so we had all kinds of experiences and of course we did paint nudes but that's probably the hardest thing to do and it gives you good insight into all the other arts. But, well, in addition to the Dunnigans, in the formation of Indiana Heritage Arts, which was in 1978, Bill Zimmerman also helped. He was on the board and Harold Hancock, who is now gone, but uh, he was on the board also. In fact, Harold did the um, logo for IHA. And there were just so many really helpful people uh, on that. And I think Neil Dunnigan was the first president. So Indiana Heritage has grown to a very effective organization. Doors can be found most days at the Muddy Boots, chatting with friends and visitors alike. She will be in her signature red blazer and matching beret. This has been Vera Grubbs with the Brown County Hour for WFHB. Here's another tune from Sarah Swingset. It's a Hoagy Carmichael tune entitled How Little We Know. 
They say Hoagie had a Brown County connection. I heard he used to party over here. Well, the man's got good taste. Maybe it happens this way. Maybe we really belong together. But after all, how little we know. Maybe it's just for a day. Love is as changeable as the weather And after all, how little we know Who knows why an April breeze never remains Why stars in the trees hide when it rains Love comes along, casting a spell As others have done Is this what I waited for? Am I the one? Oh, I hope in my heart that it's so In spite of how little we know a post-Valentine's rant from Rick Fettig. Janice, were you good at math in school? I was really good until it got into calculus and logarithms, and I think I could have even gotten that if it wasn't a quick rush through in one semester in high school. I think they call math a perfect science. What works, works, frontwards and backwards. It can prove and reprove itself. For instance, 
11 times any number sounds complicated, doesn't it? If you want to try it in your head, but if you take, say, 13 times 11, you take the 1 and the 3, so you take a 1, and then you add the 1 and the 3, and you got 4, and then you've got the 3. So you've got 1, 4, 3, 143, and it always works. But one thing I have been hearing about for a number of years, and I think I'm starting to get a fix on it, it's the battle of the sixes. Take 69, for example, or the Paisley or the yin and the yang. If you put them on a pinwheel and spin them around, you can't tell which is the six and which is the nine, which is the yin and which is the yang. I think the sixes want their own identity. Since they sit on their oval end, I think the sixes like the curved stem, and I think they want the nines to have the straight legs, since that's what the nine stands on. The sixes want their own identity, and they want a positive one, too. Who wants to be identified with 666? Rick, Rick, it has nothing to do with the number six. The term is the battle of the sexes, you know, sex. Men, women, male, female, boy, girl, equality or not, equal pay for equal quality work, barefoot and pregnant, working women and working mothers, men climbing ladders faster with no ceiling versus the glass ceiling. There appears to be this battle of the sexes. What? Are people crazy? Where's the battle? Sure, dads might encourage the kids to jump out of the swing when mom wants you to hold on tight, and men might be bigger and stronger, while women might be busier and more nurturing. Why is this a battle? I guess maybe I'm stuck in the 60s and 70s. Let's make love, not war. And speaking of war, take the war on drugs. How's that working out? The war on women. Who's crazy enough to take that on? Look at the actual military wars. How many young men, women are not coming home the same, or as sane, or in a flag-draped box. There's ancient languages that didn't even have such hostile words. There was no word for war, no word for battle. There wasn't even a word for can't, you know, cannot. The entire vocabulary was positively oriented. There might have been challenges which provided opportunity, but there was no defeat, no suppression, no wars or battles. If you can't think it, if you can't speak it, how can it come to pass? Whoops, there's that can't word. If the mind can conceive it and the heart can believe it, you or we can achieve it. So be careful with your heart and what you love. Make sure that it was sent from above. It's what you do and not what you say. If you're not part of the future, then get out of the way. Come on, baby, take a ride with me. I'm up from the down to on duty.
Call in right now, BR549, and order your bottle of BC number six and your free sample of BC number nine and save 25%. Call now, operators are on duty. BR549. Just after sundown I'm wandering round this parking garage I'm so distracted Can't seem to find my old Dodge I drove all day to see you Smooth roads on cloud nine But I came crashing back to earth The moment your eyes met mine Gonna be a long drive home Before we go, here's a newsflash. The Brown County Playhouse is hosting a first annual Brown County Music Awards on Saturday, March 23rd. We can all participate by casting a vote for our favorite musicians. Just go to browncountyplayhouse.org. And you can see a trailer of the Spirit of Brown County on thisisbrowncounty.com. That's our show for tonight. Glad you could join us. Tune in on April 20th to hear our Earth Day show. Meanwhile, keep your instruments and radio tuned. Beginning our third year, we announced some recent changes. We say goodbye to Susan Showalter, thanking her for her past contributions, and we wish her well in her new pursuits. Meanwhile, we welcome new members Jim Eagleman, park naturalist, John Kay, Indiana folklorist, and rogue writer Dave Seastrom, and we look forward to their contributions. There is still room for new volunteers in any capacity, writers, editors, interviewers, technical support, and sound effects. The Brown County Hour is produced entirely by Brown County Volunteers. This episode's crew includes Rick Fetting, Vera Grubbs, Janice Pierce, and Dave Seastrom. Managing producer Pam Rader, technical producer and webmaster Jeff Foster, executive producer Allison Bektesh, and thanks Slats Klug for your wonderful music. To listen to this episode or any previous episodes, visit browncountyhour.com or wfhb.org. You can contact us at bch at wfhb.org or veragrubs at sgrubs at prodigy.net. For more information on today's guests or our crew, see the website browncountyhour.com. Thanks Thanks for for joining joining us and have have a great great evening. You've been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home. Brown County home.